Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are talking shot quality, more specifically, how to use shot quality stats. So I've tweeted out a lot of these the last few days on the B-Ball Index Twitter account, and we have all of our shot quality data up now on the website. And shot quality is a, I would say it's kind of like the new it metric in basketball right now because it does so much in terms of quantifying how difficult a player situation is. And I think it's been built into how we think about players forever. Like we know that Michael Jordan took really difficult shots over his career and it makes it that much more impressive. And then you think of who would be a good example of a stationary shooter. So um, someone like modern day Alex Caruso, right? He's going to get a lot of very, very open shots because he's not a very good th- three-point shooter and uh, not really a great offensive player in general, more of a uh, defensive-oriented guy. So teams are going to basically send their defensive attention elsewhere, and that's going to result in Alex Caruso having really high shot quality. So I think that was one thing people were kind of confused about on Twitter that I wanted to kind of get after in this episode of explaining how the stat works, how to use it, and what it's useful for. So shot quality, just like at the very base level if you have really low shot quality it means your shots are very hard and if you have very high shot quality it means your shots are very easy the quality of your shots are great right so it's supposed to be built in the name of the stat but there was a little confusion on twitter so i wanted to kind of get this episode out to explain things more in depth now when you're using shot quality figuring out what it's trying to tell you is really important it provides context to a player situation and it can be useful in deciding what a player's role should be in the future. So the basics, if you are taking a lot of self-created shots, those are generally going to be harder. Assisted shots, catch and shoot threes, assisted shots at the rim, those are generally gonna be easier. Again, it's not always the case, but if you're standing in the corner shooting a lot of corner threes, that job is generally easier than a lot of like pick and roll, go around the ball screen, pull up from three, like that's a lot more difficult of a shot. And then it's assessed that way in the shot quality stats. So basics, right? Low shot quality, difficult shots, high shot quality, easy shots. And then the type of shots you're taking, most of the time, assisted shots are going to be generally easier. Uh, If you just look at the numbers on like spot ups, things like that, the points per possession you get off that is just way higher than something like an isolation attempt or a post up. So assisted shots generally easier. So that's just kind of like at the very top of how these things work. So now when we're looking at shot quality data, how can we use it to try to figure things out? I think we have this built in in our head. Like, so Luca is a good example of this. He takes extremely difficult shots. He's always near the bottom of the league in shot quality. And his percentages, while like solid, are never fantastic. But there's something built in of like, okay, if Luca's shooting 35% from three, I understand a lot of those are pull up threes, step back threes, self created, really difficult. And the reason those are valuable is because like you can't really suppress them, right? It's really, really hard to take away shot or sorry, shot creation is something that's fairly stable season to season. Like it's just hard to stop a guy from getting shots up as opposed to someone that's really good at knocking down, you know, stationary catch and shoot threes. 
if the offense doesn't have enough juice to be generating those, it's great that you're good at them, but it's not as valuable because you can't get that corner three anytime you want it if other factors aren't at play, right? So if you want those super high quality corner three shot quality shots, like there kind of needs to be another thing that, that gets you there. So let's talk a little bit more about how to use the shot quality stat. So it can explain a player's role. Like if somebody's 99th percentile in shot quality, that means they're basically never being guarded. Now that probably tells you that they're not a very good offensive player because they don't have a ton of gravity. So if we look at, we'll look at the top, uh, top few guys in uh, three point shot quality among guards. So Josh Akogi is number one. He's a defensive specialist on the Suns. Again, really good defensive player, but really a non-shooter. Doesn't take a lot of threes, and when he does take them, is literally the most open guy in the league. So what that is most likely telling us is it can be a combination of these two factors. It means teammates are drawing the defense in another place on the court, or teams are helping off this player more often because they're not very good at scoring or offense, or in this case, three-point shooting. So it doesn't just mean that if your shot quality is really high, that you're a bad player. Because like CJ McCollum is fifth right now in guards and shot quality, and CJ shooting catch-and-shoot threes, that's going to get you a lot of points. Mike Conley is also on this list. Kobe White, who's been really good. Malik Beasley's been really good. So it's not as simple as if you have really good shot quality, you are a bad offensive player. But a lot of the times, like Malik Beasley, his job is to be an off-ball player. He's on a good team with Milwaukee that has a lot of stars. So again, my my kind of sentence I wrote down here that's the, the determiner is, are teammates drawing defensive attention somewhere else and or does the team want to help off you? Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's one. Sometimes it's the other. In Malik Beasley's case, he's been a really good three-point shooter throughout his career. I know he had a down year last year, but just over his career has been very good. And with the Bucks, it's not really that defenses want Malik Beasley shooting a lot of wide-open threes, but when you have Dame, when you have Giannis, the defensive attention just has to go to them, and it's going to leave somebody open. So Malik Beasley is a player that is in a good situation. Josh Okoge, again, number one in shot quality among guards. Similar thing where like if you play with Kevin Durant, well, they're, they're never actually all playing together, but Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, the defensive attention is just going to go to those guys because they're really good offensive players. Now with Josh, you're probably going to help off him anyway, regardless of the team he's on because he is a non-shooter. So that is sort of the, the takeaway for me of, if players have really good shot quality, it could be a basically a team situation or that they are not very good at offense. And that's where you look at other metrics to try to help determine that. Because again, Malik Beasley, his three-point percentage really high. And you're like, oh, that's a great situation. And then Josh Okogie doesn't take very many. The percentage isn't very high. Oh, they want to help off him. So those are the players that have really good shot quality among guards. Let's look at the bottom 10. Uh, and three-point shot quality among guards, Devin Vassell on the Spurs, Luca, Tyrese Maxey, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jordan Clarkson, uh, after that, like Devin Booker. So you're going to see most of these guys spend a lot more time on ball, so those shots are going to naturally be more difficult. And then these players are 
pretty good players. <laughs> so like Luca, Maxi, Devin Booker, they're among the best players in the league. So <laughs> they're going to get a lot of defensive attention and they are not going to be helped off of very often when they don't have the ball because this is that thing of like, who are you going to let beat you? Probably you don't want it to be Luca or Maxi or Devin Booker also on this list. Halliburton, Damian Lillard, James Harden, like all of the the really like big time scores in the league, you're just going to send more defensive attention their way because they're so good at offense. So that is how to use shot quality, how to look at it. And I think that can really help in the evaluation process. Another reason it's valuable is let's say you are like the Lakers this past off season. You know when you have LeBron James and that type of passing, also Anthony Davis, you're going to have players around them that are open because the nature of having guys that are that good, especially LeBron, he's so good at passing, high gravity players, there's going to be people that are going to get helped off of to stop those two. So Torian Prince comes in in free agency, signs a really modest deal, has been like a solid NBA player throughout his career. And that was a move that a lot of the Laker content creators were like, oh yeah, no, I, I like this. This is this is solid. This makes sense because he's going to get fantastic three-point shot quality. And he, again, he's been solid throughout his career. The shot quality is probably going to take a jump playing with LeBron, and that's probably going to yield pretty good results. Another guy, Cam Reddish, I know he's top 10 among forwards in shot quality. He's also a Laker this year. And so you can you can think about things like that when trying to build your roster forward, or you can go the reverse of it, and you can look at maybe someone like like J.J. Reddick, someone like that, that could hit three-pointers and didn't need great shot quality. That's another way you can use it in reverse, where it's like, okay, is this an off-ball player that consistently gets a high volume of threes up at a high percentage, and they don't actually need the best quality in the world? That's another sign of hey, this skill probably is going to translate from one team to another because not everybody's going to have really terrible. I mean, if you're on a bad enough team, I guess there might be a lot of poor shot quality, but also everyone's probably not going to have great shot quality. On a certain level, it is like a role thing. Your star, we call it a shot creator, is generally going to have worse shot quality because they're going to have the ball in their hands most of the time. The defense is going to be aimed at stopping them because most of the time they're your best player. That's why they're in that role. Ball in the hand all the time trying to make something happen. And then as we get to like movement shooters, things like that, the quality is going to be, for the most part, more middle of the road in the league. So finding guys that are able to produce really good three-point, not only points, but efficiency on just like not the greatest quality in the world, that's another way to evaluate off-ball players, role players at a deeper level than we've seen it year after year where if a guy's only taking like three or four threes a game, the three-point percentage will kind of It'll go up and down kind of a lot, and it's a little tricky in free agency to figure out who you want and who you don't want on your team. So shot quality is another way to look at that. So that (laughs) the shot quality is basically the basis of our shooting talents. So shooting talents will look at the shot quality, which is basically like what your kind of situation is, right, in terms of your shot diet. Is it easy or is it hard? Then how do you perform on that? 
and then how often you can self-generate that. So that's how the shot the, I've mentioned it a bunch on the podcast. That's how the shooting talents work. So if you're looking at like, if you're looking at catch and shoot shot making, basically what that does is it looks at your shot quality. It looks at how well you perform on that and in catch and shoot situations from three. And then it will spit out a number or if you want to look at it as a percentile or a letter grade. So that is a better thing to look at year over year to, to, to determine how good a player is or if a player is worth adding maybe in free agency because you'll see it all the time where like, especially on good teams, this is like a classic thing just throughout sports where a team will get to uh, a place where they're really competitive. They're known throughout the league. Then they'll make a deep run in the playoffs and then they'll lose everyone in free agency because of the salary cap and they're not able to retain everyone. But then those players will leave and they will go from role players to bigger roles on just random other teams in the league that aren't very good that have cap space. And then all of a sudden they won't be performing in the same way. And you'll be like, well, I don't get it. They were good on the Celtics or the Lakers or the Heat. But now that they went to the Hornets, they just seem like another guy. And a lot of the times... I mean, we didn't know back then. We kind of know more now. Like, oh, it's because his shot quality on that really good team was fantastic. And then he goes to the Hornets where there's no one really sucking up defenders. And all of a sudden, all the shots are much harder. And now he's performing worse. So shot quality is really, really important. Like I said, one of the most popular, I'd say, stats in basketball over the last like five-ish years a lot of things are built on it or it's used as uh, part of a lot of formulas especially here at basketball index and it's really great because you can look at shot quality any way you want you can just look at overall shot quality and that's a really good way to just kind of get your bearings on where guys are we're like I think I pulled up the, the leaderboard here where like Brandon Ingram overall worst shot quality. That makes sense. If you watch him play, he takes a lot of heavily contested mid range jumpers, which are basically the hardest shot in the game to do over and over and over again on volume. DeMar DeRozan's number two. Kevin Durant is number four. Devin Booker at five um, breakout guys like Cam Thomas at seven. They are doing really, really difficult things and they're able to repeatedly knock down those shots. And again, that's really valuable, but now we get into the next conversation of it's great to have players that are able to overcome really good defensive efforts, right, and knock down shots like Brandon Ingram. He's been a guy for the last few years where if you watch him play, there's nights that are really, really impressive, and there's times where it feels like the defense doesn't matter, and that's true, but your style of play also does start to factor in here. There are players that are able to just generate better shot quality for themselves or <laughs> shot selection comes into, we talk about that a lot. If you're always taking the most difficult types of shots, it's going to hurt your efficiency. It doesn't really matter who you are. Like Luca's even guilty of this, of, Yes, it's great that he's good at the impossible shots and the indefensible shots, but we've seen it actually change a little bit this year playing next to Kyrie. But if you're going to do that over and over again, it's just really hard to be a super efficient player and it's really hard to have a super efficient offense. So shot selection does come into play. That is a bit cloudier because it's harder to define because sometimes it's, hey, the defense has to send a lot of attention at Luka because he's obviously so good. And then there's other times where it's like, he's making it a little bit harder than he needs to, but 
you take it because he's the best player on the team, right? So the shot selection, I actually think that's somewhere maybe in the next five, maybe 10 years that analytics does a better job of figuring out where like Trey Young seems like a guy, the shot selection is sometimes a little wild. And then also because he's just so small, all of his shots are just going to be inherently harder. So I think there is some sort of cap on his efficiency, I guess. His shot making will always be good because, again, shot making is how you do compared to the shot quality. It takes a lot of super deep threes, but is he able to sort of increase the easier chances, like make life easier on himself? This year, Steph Curry actually has pretty decent overall shot quality. And what will help you with that is the ability to play off ball. Because if you have an off ball game, yes, you do need to have other players on your team that can generate things and, and get you the, the ball when you need it in those open situations. But the Warriors system is different. They're able to generate a lot of really good shot quality. They have been for a number of years. But being able to play off ball or be willing to play off ball, it's another thing where like it gets sort of murky to try to to try to quantify without maybe more specific data because there are some players that when they're off ball, they tend to just stand there or do this weird thing where like, I think they're trying to create more space. So they just back up and then they're like six steps away from the three point line. And they're not really in the play. I've seen Trey Young do this a lot. I don't really understand it. And that can kind of make the, <laughs> the whole thing even harder to like, so I'm not here to tell you that like, Oh, their shot quality stats, they tell you they tell you everything. There's this weird, it's like the typical internet thing where if someone doesn't like analytics, they'll po you know, they'll they'll quote tweet uh, a shot quality tweet that we put out and they'll be like, Oh, so now that there's shot quality, like it answers all the questions and analytics knows everything. Oh, I guess not, because like this player is on this list and this team's bad. And it's like, well, you're arguing against nobody. <laughs> there, there's no one that's ever said, oh, now that we have shot quality, everything's solved and everyone should just go home, pack it up. We don't need to play the games. No one's ever said that. But you start having like the, the weird one-sided arguments on Twitter where then other people join in and then... Other people see that and they think that there's a, a two-way interaction going away. There's some, there's some old thing. It's it's don't argue with fools because at a distance people can't tell which is which, <laughs> and it's sometimes hard on Twitter to do that. There's been times where I'm like, I would like to, I would like to debate this person, but I don't think, I think it's going to be a waste of time. So I think people are only going to get upset. So I normally don't do it. But there have been times where I've definitely wanted to because I'm like, I don't think what you're saying is is right here. But, you know, only so many hours in the day. But that's shot quality. I wanted to talk about what the stat is, how to use it, what it's useful for. And a lot of it is just providing context to a player situation where it's like, do they have really great shot quality or really terrible shot quality? That probably influences, A, the role that they're in whether it's on ball or off ball. And then it also probably tells you on some level what type of gravity they have, because if they're not guarding you over the course of a season at the NBA level, you're either going to score a lot of points on very high efficiency, and that's really good for your team, or you're not a very good offensive player. 
<laughs> those are the two conclusions that you probably can draw over a season of someone at like 99th percentile shot quality and they're averaging like six points a game and <laughs> they have a fair amount of attempts like they're probably just not good at it so this stat is a kind of a bedrock stat it a lot of things are built on it and it's where you start a lot of your analysis if you are looking into more advanced metrics. So really useful stuff. Like I said, you can use it on anything, which is nice. There's the overall three-point mid-range rim shot quality, pull-up. Like you can do it, slice and dice it a number of different ways. A lot of our stats are like that, which is really nice on the leaderboard tool. But yeah, shot quality, very, very important and definitely glad to have it. It's it's funny to look back because it feels like the dark ages. When you think of like 80s NBA basketball, well, it's weird because like all of a sudden in 1980, they were like, by the way, there's a three-point line. (laughs) And so that's weird. There was players playing in the league and there wasn't one. And then all of a sudden there was. That's strange. And then there's obviously the super teams of Boston and LA going at each other. And nobody knows who's good on any of the other teams because there just really isn't like the, the stats. Stats are so important in sports, like especially baseball and basketball not as much in football but still useful man it's like can you imagine if they didn't keep stats <laughs> imagine trying to watch follow the nba and they don't even keep stats there's just wins and losses Whew, that would be very hard to follow the league because there's 30 teams playing like there's just so many games going on but all right that's going to wrap it up for this episode i think uh, i've said all i wanted to say on shot quality again you can check it out on the site Overall shot quality, really, really good place to start. You can see players whose jobs are really difficult or really easy. You want to talk to me on Twitter at Taylor Metrics, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.